0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff.
1: All right, my friends, you've tuned in here to America's Home for Conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, questions, feedback, and of course, adoration and praise. Always accepted it. Our email, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Pleasure to be here. And here we are, already on a Friday things move very, very quickly when there is a dumpster fire both here domestically and around the world. And there's a lot of things vying for our attention. A lot of things vying for our attention and a lot in fact, a lot of things we can't even, uh, it, there are so many things vying for our attention, it's hard to even get to some of the topics or get to them as much as we would like to. To get into from inflation and stagflation to open borders to the unbelievable debacle in Afghanistan to Ukraine and Russia to Hunter Biden's laptop, which congratulations to The New York Times finally realizes is actually the real thing. Um, lots of things that we have to be prepared to, I don't know, discuss and fight back against. And one of those things we're going to talk about today, actually we have a guest on our program, which we'll bring him on here in a few moments. Um, we don't do this often, but I think for this particular topic, I wanted to spend some time focusing on it. And I always feel like Friday, Fridays are a good day to do this sort of thing. um, but we're going to bring onto the program here in a moment a gentleman by the name of Tony Kennett. He worked for, notice I said that in the past tense, worked for IPS, Indianapolis Public School Districts. Um, he was the science coordinator there, and he exposed what the district was doing, how they were promoting and teaching critical race theory, which were told by the media – were told by opponents of HB 1134, which is a bill in Indianapolis, which I'll pause really quickly. I know we have listeners all over the country, all over the world. So we don't talk a lot about local politics, um, but I do think it's relevant because this situation is happening in school districts all around the country. All around the country. This is absolutely – being pushed or considered or contemplated by administrators and teachers around this country do not be confused or misled by the folks um, who are at the ISTA or wherever. That's the Indiana State State Teachers Association and folks that argue against this thing even being a problem, this issue of critical race theory. So I want to bring on... Our next guest here, Tony Kennett, who lost his job over this, lost his job over telling parents, uh, telling taxpayers that this was actually being taught in their school. So I want to welcome to the program Tony Kennett. Tony, welcome to the program, sir. How are you today?
0: Just fantastic, Todd. How are you?
1: I am doing just fine myself, and it's good to... Good to have you. So let's just start with the basics here. Let's start with your story. Let's start with what um, what transpired. Maybe give us a little bit about the time frame and so forth and just explain what happened um, and why you lost your job at the Indianapolis Public School District.
0: Absolutely. So, I was the science coordinator and head instructional coach for STEM for Indianapolis Public Schools. That's basically the director of science. My job uh, was to direct all things related to science, the curriculum, pedagogy, assessments, all of the staff, K through 12 that dealt with science. I was supposed to set the pacing guides, how things moved throughout the year, etc. I had worked there about a year and a half, and in the beginning of this past school year, Uh, we were asked by our administration, the upper administration, this is an email sent to all principals and other lower level admins, uh, that if any parents asked us if we taught with critical race theory at IPS, we were to say no, we didn't use critical race theory at all in Indianapolis public schools. Of course, this was incredibly dishonest. I'd studied critical race theory at the graduate level for about eight years. And so uh, I just kind of took that and looked around at some of the district curriculum just to make sure I wasn't on funny gas. And well, no, I didn't find fact, in fact, find examples of critical race theory throughout the district. Uh, so on Octo- in early October, we had a large district-wide professional development on October 8th. And uh, Gloria Ladson-Billings uh, gave a large keynote in which she described critical race theory as incredibly necessary. Racism was this terrible pandemic that was affecting Indianapolis students. And uh, then throughout the rest of the day, we were in the district basically laughing about how as a district we were teaching with critical race theory uh, and Republicans and people who were concerned about critical race theory, really just parents in general, were really stupid and uninformed. So I recorded a video the next morning uh, citing that, uh, yes, indeed, we had uh, taught with critical race theory in Indianapolis public schools. And I leaked a couple of public documents that could be obtained. They were hosted on Indianapolis servers, Indianapolis emails, et cetera. And uh, I was immediately placed on leave with pay. I was not allowed to come into the building. They said I had damaged staff and that I had uh, caused uh, clinical anxiety. And uh, basically from that point forward, I was placed under investigation. They refused my lawyer being able to come in and represent me in – Representation meetings. And it was uh, quite the time. And come January, early January, they did, in fact, uh, fire me.
1: Okay, a lot there to unpack and to digest, especially for those of us who may have heard parts of your story or not, you know, really don't know your story. There's a lot to unpack there. So, a couple things I want to ask. First, you mentioned that there were examples of CRT, critical race theory, being taught at IPS. Can you explain what that looks like? And maybe so so folks that are, you know, parents of, of students around the state, around the country can begin to understand what form and shape this actually might take in the classroom.
0: Absolutely. So critical race theory, first of all. Uh, is framed by the media as a uh, legal framework with which, how one uh, views racial aspects in society. So to put that in the average person's vernacular, that simply means viewing every societal interaction, every societal institution through the lens of intersectional race. So critical race theory can be applied in education, and this was written by Gloria Ladson-Billings in 1995, one of two ways curricularly or pedagogically. So curriculum and education is just the stuff that people look at that they use to learn with. So it's the textbooks, it's the videos, it's the articles. And critical race theory manifested itself through these in very distinct ways. So in Indianapolis, a lot of the history education staff is encouraged to teach using the 1619 Project. Mm -hmm. In fact, we had a 1619 Project resolution that passed alongside the Black Lives Matter resolution, which utilizes uh, empirically false history Uh, written by Nicole Hannah-Jones and Howard Zinn on the founding of the United States, the the many different aspects of it, and that's certainly found in the curriculum. In pedagogy, it's found realistically all throughout the district. In almost every class, teachers are encouraged to view their students first by color and then by every other indicator. They are told that in order to be culturally relevant to these students, they need to stereotype them, and that uh, Black students and our Hispanic students are inferior unless they have uh, the help of, of white individuals because uh, white individuals have these innate aspects of white supremacy culture. This is also taught to staff at racial equity meetings. It's it's deeply saturated in the district. Okay,
1: so let, let's let's again, that's fascinating to hear, and of course not not surprising either. But let's let's unpack that a little bit because I think when I think about this HB 1134. Um, this bill in the Indiana State House, well, that eventually got to the the Senate, that did not come out of committee uh, that was trying to address these sorts of things. And whether it did it well enough or the right way, I don't want to talk about that particularly right now. What I just want to say is that that was kind of in response to some of these things. So, But what I'm hearing you say is that the ways that this is taught doesn't necessarily – there's not necessarily a book that's going to be introduced in the classroom that's going to have – you know, the title of the book be Critical Race Theory. That's not the shape that this takes many, many times, correct?
0: Oh, correct. There's no situation in which we use half of the educational societal theories in the classroom by giving students a book with the title of that theory. That makes no sense at all.
1: But that's, if you listen to the objections of the teachers union um, to HB 1134, in addition to the workload that the legislation would have created... Um, for teachers and what they framed as the, you know, wide scale, widespread uh, teacher revolt and resignations and that sort of thing. There was also the argument that this doesn't really exist. This doesn't, isn't really taught in the classroom. And it's, it's talked about from the curriculum perspective, which you differentiated between curriculum and pedagogy, I believe is how you Say yep. that. And so that, that's more subtle. That's more insidious, even to me, to where teachers are being instructed on how to do it in the classroom without it being on a lesson plan necessarily, right?
0: Absolutely. It's, it's so deeply saturated in the staff of Indianapolis that we're required to view our students uh, by color first and then everything else following. Uh, Every institution in the United States, in every single racial equity meeting that I've been a part of, and I've been a part of quite a few, uh, is demonized as this evil white supremacist capitalist abomination. And uh, we're supposed to pass that on to our students because otherwise it's white supremacy abuse.
1: So is is that being ordered or instructed or required of you by administrators? Are they bringing in third parties that – are there to train people and, oh, by the way, this is how you're supposed to do it. And they have that degree of separation where they can say, well, we didn't directly instruct our teachers to do this. I mean, what does that look like? Are are the administrators flat out telling you, look at this student first based upon his or her race?
0: Yes. So uh, a few things there. First of all, we definitely pull in third parties. We spend millions of dollars a year to bring in the Racial Equity Institute out of the Carolinas. Uh, to walk all staff through a required two-day, that's eight hours each day, racial equity training, in which, again, many of the critical race theory scholars are cited as as being gospel. Uh, That also said, there are instances of uh, in the classroom where our racial equity director, Dr. Patricia Payne, has told students in a required audience uh, that the staff, both black and white in Indianapolis are racist and upholding white supremacy because uh, there are black students who get sorted into special education programs. And that is on video. And she called the whole staff racist. She said that uh, white people in this country are responsible for the murder of millions of unborn black babies because we won't give their mothers medical care. And that's, just said to students. That's teaching the very tenets of intersectionality-based politics straight out of Kimberly Crenshaw.
1: Again, we're with Tony Kennett here. He was the science coordinator, uh, coordinator at IPS, Indianapolis Public Schools, before he was terminated for basically shining light on what's being taught, the critical race theory agenda being pushed on students at IPS and elsewhere. Tony, there's a lot of things I want to get to. We got a lot of time together here today, but I got to take a time out. We're up against our first break here. So, folks, we'll continue our conversation with Tony on the other side of the break. Sit tight, listen to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, with Tony Kennett back here in just a minute. <laughs> My friends, so I'm with um, a good friend here with who's fought critical race theory. You know I think I think that this is important. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about this issue of critical race theory, how insidious it is with Tony Kennett. He was at the Indianapolis Public School system. Um, he was fired over critical race theory for exposing um, what was being taught in IPS. And so we've been going through that bring Tony back on the line here. So Tony, during the break we were kind of chatting about a couple of things and one of the things I I asked you that I want to hear your response and have our listeners hear the response too was you'd mentioned that there were teachers, I don't know if it was just teachers, administrators, staff at IPS that um, we're kind of mocking parents. They were laughing and saying, "Of course we're teaching." I mean, I'm paraphrasing what I heard you say. Of course we're teaching critical race theory. What kind of idiots and morons are out there that are parents of our students, right? Um, I'm wondering yes, if that—that that, is, that is correct. I'm wondering if that crowd, because I'm I'm thinking to again the messaging on opposing the legislation that was in the uh, Indiana state or the, the state house here. HB 1134, I'm wondering if these folks also were the same teachers that was that were out there telling us or promoting the talking points that critical race theory is a made-up boogeyman created by conservatives and so forth. Are, are those the same folks, or are they, are they two different groups of, of teachers? Hel- help me understand who we're dealing with here.
0: So it's important to distinguish, first of all, that this comes from a lot of racial equity offices. Uh, which are groups on, uh, that are in public schools. There's usually one large racial equity office or racial equity team, and this is where all of your extra social justice teachers reside and administrators. And in those meetings, yeah, they were bragging about uh, how they were utilizing critical race theory, but they view it as, as honest history. Uh, they view uh, teaching that innately um, that black children are different mentally than white children, are different socially. Are going to have you know different uh, expectations in their lives. They believe that's just basic history,
1: so and le- they see.
0: hold the authors of that in high regard. Yeah, they were definitely at the state house, you know, whining and complaining. That's what the ISTA views critical race theory as: just
1: history. So le- let's talk. We've we've hit on a couple of things, but let's let's maybe define it clearly and in, in the most concise way possible. How would you? Define, you said you studied this at the graduate level. How would you define critical race theory?
0: Critical race theory is a lens with which you view the world. In critical race theory, as the name would suggest, you view every single aspect of society the economy, the family, education, healthcare, policy, everything through the lens of systemic racism, which means that one group has oppressed. Uh, individuals of different colors uh, throughout history and, and through every aspect of society. So viewing the economy through critical race theory would suggest that every aspect of the economy benefits white individuals and is a detriment to people of color. Uh, that's critical race theory through and through.
1: So let me let me make a couple of statements and you tell me if this um, would effectively be either directly taught or could be inferred from the teaching of of critical race theory. Capitalism is racist.
0: Uh, That's actually curriculum we have at IPS, yes.
1: Okay, and again, I I knew the answer to that one, but I just, just to let that sink in, and and we hear those words, and I want that to resonate, that capitalism is a racist system of, of economics. What about all white people are inherently racist? Correct. What about can, under critical race theory, can someone who's a minority or of a, of a race other than Caucasian be considered racist?
0: Uh, they cannot be considered racist, no.
1: I mean, this is – it's just it's, – it makes one feel flabbergasted to listen to this. So, so, so that's – we've talked about the definition there. You've studied this. You're saying that it's being taught in multiple ways. And I, I asked you this offline off too during the break. What about parents um, from other school districts? How, how likely is this to be a problem in, in their school district?
0: Well, not only from other parents, but also from other teachers who came to the Statehouse and, and described in detail how they taught history in their classroom, which they included demonizing students or uh, emasculating students based on what color they are historically. Uh, This is in the majority of public schools in the state because the core idea is that race is the lens for absolutely everything with which society and all of its studies and subjects should be viewed. So from public documents, from parent testimony, from teacher confessions, uh, all of the above have indicated that critical race theory is very prevalent in Indiana public schools.
1: So, when, when the argument is being made and, and we're venturing back, I've tried to steer clear of maybe some of the details of going, you know, discussing uh, HB 1134 with you, but we're venturing in that, that direction because the, the arguments that I heard about critical race theory most recently, at least on the, on the bigger stage here in the state of Indiana came from you know folks who were making arguments both for and against HB 1134. So for the teachers or for the the folks on that side of the argument who were against the passage of 1134, when they say that critical race theory is not a problem in in the state, it's a boogeyman or whatever terminology they use, is that are they being – is it a, a word game? Are they deliberately deceiving? Are these folks who are naive to what's really happening in the classroom? What, what's – who are these people and what's, uh, what's the motivation there? What, what's, what's causing that?
0: I believe it's a combination of arrogance and ignorance. Uh, ignorance to the what critical race theory actually states from the authors themselves and them suggesting, yes, it is critical race theory. Of course, Gloria Ladson-Billings wrote in 1995 that critical race theory was essential to conversations about race in K-12 education. Uh, arrogance, though, because they think that they're people who don't want their children uh, to be told that they are good or bad by nature of the color of their skin. Uh, they think that those individuals are racist that they are stupid confederate supporting Hicks from the sticks. And it's it's really quite sad because the answer is, is so much simpler and is so much more liberating to any individual regardless of color. Uh, but that's thrown aside for what basically amounts to moral preening. And uh, it almost has kind of a religious tint to it with how obsessed some individuals are with defending
1: this. It does. It certainly does. So – what should parents do if they want to stop this sort of thing from being taught in their local school district, wherever that is, another city in Indiana, somebody in California, Texas, Florida listening? What what advice would you give to them?
0: So I would give you two separate pieces of advice. First of all, I would read your student's curriculum. I would see what they're bringing home. I would talk to them about what it is that they're learning at school. And if you have any questions, I would reach out and ask the teacher some questions. And then if the teacher is difficult, which a lot of the time they're not, a lot of teachers just want to go teach, go home, don't want anything to do with a lot of this political nonsense. If on the off chance, the teacher is showing you that they want to teach political nonsense, then you should go up chain uh, until that results in electing a better school board. if, If that situation won't be dealt with that said, My second piece of advice that I've started giving parents is pay attention to who your representatives are at the state level and start electing better representatives. That doesn't mean electing a party. That means paying attention to which representatives are aware of what's going on in the classroom, which are receptive to parents, and which put forward good, sound, quality education. If you've got somebody in the House or the Senate that didn't vote uh, for parents' rights in education over the last couple of years, don't fall for the line that they're suddenly going to start paying attention to you this next term. It's not going to happen. Vote them out in the primaries and put people in office that are better for your family.
1: As I think about teachers, and we got to take another break here in a moment, but when you, I'm envisioning, and you know these meetings, these staff trainings, whatever that you call these things, where people come in or administrators are you know explaining to teachers what's going to be expected and, and taught and so forth whenever they're told to do these sorts of things is there any sort of pushback from anyone is there is is there just blind obedience to this do the folks who oppose it know that hey I don't want to get I don't want to step in front of that buzzsaw i mean what what's the response internally from teachers
0: i would say the last is probably the most true uh, but this depends on the district if you're in a rural school, or even some township schools. I will never forget uh, when Brett Kraussor at Lawrence North High School, which for those that aren't local Hoosiers, that's a city on the suburbs of Indianapolis, Lawrence. And uh, he told all of the staff one morning that we needed to take our black students and rank them based on grade, and whoever had the most failing black students was the most racist teacher. And everyone (laughs) of the staff that I talked to, we walked out of that meeting, some were rolling their eyes, some were just aghast. And bipartisanly hated that morning PD. So a lot of teachers kind of roll their eyes, but also some are very fearful to to speak out because you know if you get fired uh, and it's for something along these lines, there's very little chance you're going to be able to participate in your trade anywhere else in the state.
1: Now you, I have lots of questions, and I want one more thing before we take a break. You, you'd mentioned that you basically went straight to social media, I think to Twitter with the, with the video. What did, did you approach the staff or the administrators first? Did you think that that was a lost cause? What, what led to your thinking on how you approached handling the way you handled that?
0: So first of all, the black lives matter resolution and 1619 project resolution were forward and ratified by the racial equity office and human resources. So Going to human resources over one of these issues is like going to your boss to tell him that you don't like the things your boss has been doing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Second, I would have to say that I had gone to HR previously. I was actually in HR's office twice before uh, due to a tweet I had where I said, rest in peace, Rush Limbaugh. They really, uh, there was a staff member, colleague who really didn't like that I tweeted that. And then they were once mad that the Washington Free Beacon (laughs) interviewed me about a college. So... I didn't really feel like HR was going to do anything positive for me if I went to them about this.
1: And that's that's a reasonable, reasonable thing to do. But do do they use that against you? Do they say, "Look, you know this guy, he was trying. You know, we we were trying to be accommodating. This, you know, we're sitting here minding our own business. He goes to Twitter. What are we supposed to do? I mean, it, has that been a response or?
0: Oh, absolutely. That was originally one of the responses that HR threw at me. Well, why didn't you come to us? And then I cited the district policies that it helped create. And I said, well, we would have listened to you. And then I pointed out all the times that they hadn't listened or hadn't taken any concerns. My boss uh, screeched in very high-pitched tones how angry she was that I called her out for uh, wanting to do a study from IU about how racist our math classrooms were. Uh, And that's really just the attitude is just moral indignation that anyone would hold them accountable. Mm.
1: Do you? And I don't mean this in any, I'm not one way or the other, but do you, if you had it all to do over again, would you choose the same path or would you change it at all?
0: I don't think I would change a thing because what ended up coming out of it was good. It was important for Indianapolis to be exposed. If I would have gone to, HR and been quietly shuffled away and fired. I don't think that would have had the same resonation as uh, my exposing them online and uh, the many teachers and principals that ended up coming out on my site about the issue.
1: That's right. It's definitely good that you got the information out. You know, it's amazing. The, this is it's public education we're talking about, right? This is this is not some uh, you know private group of people that's supposed to be operating behind closed doors with duplicitous. And mindset and so forth But this is public education So I applaud you for standing up to this I'm sure you've taken a lot of arrows and heat for doing so So, But I want to keep talking to you This is Tony Kennett Former um, employee at IPS Indianapolis, Indianapolis Public Schools Who lost his job over Basically exposing The critical race theory Being taught at IPS Folks sit tight be back here with our conversation With Tony in just a minute Welcome back, my friends. By the way, program brought to you in part by Killadent, Killadent Removal Services on the west side of Indianapolis. If you've got some dents and dings and maybe hail damage, maybe some dents in your car from something in the parking lot, even stuff that's bigger than you might imagine, Consider reaching out to my friends at Kiladent. It's a lot more affordable, and you get your car back a lot quicker. Kiladent uh, removal on the west side of Indianapolis. So let's get back to our conversation here with um with our friend Tony Kennett, who has uh, explained a lot about critical race theory. I told him before or during the break that I wanted to to step in and talk a little bit about the local bill that was introduced, Indiana House Bill 1134. So you've written about this um, that, and it was published in. Where'd you tell me the, um, where'd you tell me it was published?
0: Uh, National Review.
1: National Review, there we go. So you've written about this and, and talked about this legislation. So from a 30,000 foot perspective, what, Is your, what was your, I guess, uh, since it's kind of a, a dead bill, perspective on HB 1134, which was supposed to, in theory, at least address the issue of teachers teaching things like critical race theory to students without parent consent? HB
0: 1134 was a bill that attempted to do some really great things very poorly. Uh, It was basically four different pieces of legislation crammed into one omnibus nightmare that only became as strong as its weakest link, which was a shame because there's never been a better time to address things like critical race theory and the data collection of minors and uh, very weird, strange, hypersexual therapy at schools in the nature of modern SEL and uh, school counseling. Unfortunately, it just didn't live up to that because it was written poorly, defended even more poorly, and uh, really had a merciful death at the hand of the establishment, which I'm not sure if that's really a win or a loss.
1: I had invited lots of folks on this program to uh, those who were against it to come on. I've shared this with our listeners. No one from the Indiana State Teachers Association, um, no teacher, no, you know, person from that uh, particular side of the legislation would come on and talk about what was wrong with the legislation, which I – look, I still don't know what my full opinion is. It doesn't really matter at this particular point in time. I do believe that parents obviously have the right to make sure this junk is not being taught uh, to their students. But I don't know. Well you de- go
0: one further from that. I mean, not only should parents have a right to say it shouldn't be taught to their students, my tax dollars That's right. should not be paying for the state to sponsor political curriculum of any kind.
1: That's right. St- taxpayers and parents have they're supposed to be the ones that are govern or overseeing the, the way that the local school is, is governed and administered. So absolutely, um, absolutely within their prerogatives to want to make sure that they have some Say on that. Now that being said, it, again, it doesn't mean you. I mean, you agree with the ba- the general premise that stopping those things are bad, but there's other things in the legislation that weren't good enough in your mind to to support something like this. Totally fine with that. My question is: Are the concerns that teachers had the ones that we heard voiced, which was basically this is going to increase the workload of of teachers a bazillion percentage points? No one's ever going to be able to leave the school. They're going to be you know, writing uh, reports and posting what they're going to talk about. They're going to be spending 40 hours a week or whatever just doing that. I'm using hyperbole a little bit, but not far from what they described. Is Was that right. overblown? Was that accurate? Is that a legitimate concern? How do you see that?
0: So there are a few different concerns regarding the legislation. Uh, that got, I would say, third place was the workload increase uh, in as far as how much it was talked about. And, and as far as that's concerned, yeah, that is a legitimate concern because the legislation was worded very poorly. The idea that teachers needed to have all of their lesson plans turned in by June 30th, I would not want to hire a teacher who knew everything they were going to teach on every single day uh, by, before the school year even started. First of all, a lot of teachers don't use lesson plans. Uh, I used basically an index card and counted on my skills as an educator in improv to give my students what articles, videos, and worksheets that they needed basically on demand, as I saw the situation uh, deemed necessary. However, if they simply wouldn't have said posting all curricular documents within two weeks of having taught them, well, that makes a lot more sense. But yeah, that is a legitimate criticism that I think could have been remedied by giving the teachers a little bit of a break on maybe making all professional developments in the future optional. Most of those are hyper-progressive anyway. All teachers desperately hate being forced to go to professional development in order to renew their license. So let's get rid of that, make it easier on teachers, and throw that in as a compromise. I think that's a much better solution.
1: Okay. When we get back, I'm going to take another break here. When we get back, I want to ask you what could have made, in addition to what you just said there, what could have made this legislation better? Look, I said from the beginning to, to the teachers, I said, look, I'm a small business owner. I'm somebody who, you know, has shares political opinions each and every day on a lot of platforms. And there's folks that come gunning for people like us on social media. They want to see talk radio shut down, all these sorts of these sorts of things. I understand. I don't want I don't want an unnecessary burden placed upon teachers. I know what that's like, in a sense, um, as a small business owner and, and doing the things that we've that we do. That's that's not what I'm after. But. I would love to talk to the – I know this is a little bit pie-in-the-sky thinking here, but I would love to just ask them, look, do you believe parents have a right to and, – and taxpayers have a right to make sure that these things are not being forced upon students? And I think every rational teacher – I'm stepping – you know, pushing the Indiana Department of Education and uh, the ISTA, I think, on the side here because they seem to be in lockstep with this stuff. But rational teachers would say, yes, that's a fair – thing. So then how do we get there? That to me, that's the conversation that needs to be had. No one's trying to make your workload infinitely harder here. They're trying to achieve this this objective, which is to prevent this junk and this garbage from being taught to America's youth. So anyway, we'll continue this conversation after the break. I'm with Tony Kennett, former employee of Indiana in Pub- Indianapolis Public Schools. I'll be back here in just a minute. <laughs> Welcome back, my friends. I'm with Tony and IPS former employee, talking about critical race theory. I appreciate Tony uh, being on being on the program here. Tony, before the break, I said if you could improve HB 1134 quickly here, we don't have a lot of time. What improvements do you think could be made to that?
0: Carve it into four bills. Uh, one bill is curriculum transparency with the adjustments that. Uh, take off a lot of the hyper-progressive bureaucracy that makes teachers jump through hoops for renewing licenses, but still provides curricular transparency by posting things every two weeks. Number two, banning the eight divisive concepts of state curriculum or any school that is a public school using them. Number three, banning data collection and hypersexualization in school counseling. And then number four, uh, reforming how the DOE is allowed to address a teacher losing their license when they violate the law.
1: Okay, that's pretty. I can tell you've thought that through, <laughs> so I appreciate that. And uh, you know, the, the the state house should should I think take that under advisement. I think that's some that's some pretty good advice there. Who are the real culprits? If we had to identify the groups in education that are the the source of all this nonsense and and crazy junk that we're dealing with, name those culprits. Who are they?
0: I mean, as far as the culprit in in the current crisis are concerned, race essentialist people who believe that uh, color is the domineering trait that governs human intentions, but really this is as old as the 1920s out of Columbia Teaching College. E.D. Hurst Jr. cites that. I think the real culprit in the current climate are legislators who refuse to do the research and refuse to address things that are within their power to address. And is their responsibility to their constituents to do? And I find them to be more reprehensible in this case because I would rather have someone look at me and tell me they believe something strongly and it be against what I believe than have someone be apathetic That's when I've right. elected them to serve my state.
1: That's right. You've hit the nail on the head there. There's a lot of folks that fall into that category. Lastly, I got to go. If folks want to follow you, see what you're up to, read some of the things you put together and so forth, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Uh, you need to head to com. It's a larger publication now that I have uh, run since 2020. Uh, also, you can follow us at ChalkboardRev across social media, and you can find me at TheTonus, T-H-E-T-O-N-U-S, on Twitter.
1: Awesome. Tony, I appreciate it. Thank you for spending time with us and expounding upon the problems with critical race theory in public education. I appreciate your time, sir.
0: Thanks for having me on, Todd.
1: Folks, taking a quick time out, back here to wrap up in just a minute all right my friends that is about all the time that we have for this week i hope you enjoyed that conversation i welcome to hear your thoughts and feedback on the conversation we just had with tony kennett and you can always email me todd at toddhuffshow.com and and share those thoughts. Um, maybe there's some things we missed. You know, it's always it's always hard. I don't come on here scripted. You know that by now. We we just have conversations, whether we're talking with you about the issues or interviewing someone regarding some things that they kind of specialize in. So that's that's what we did. I hope you didn't, you enjoyed it. We'll be looking at doing a little bit more of this as things continue to develop and and grow for us here on the program, but. I appreciate you listening so much. I hope you all have a very good weekend. Enjoy the pretty weather that you've been having back home. I've, I've seen that as well. So music's telling me it's time to wrap up for the day, folks. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening. SDG. See you Monday. Take care.